Welcome to episode 32 of the Movie City Maniacs. In tonight's episode, we'll be discussing Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth from 1992. City Maniacs. I'm Maddie, and I'm Kyle. And tonight we're discussing Hellraiser. No, Clive Barker's. No, is it Hellraiser? Clive Barker's Hellraiser Three: Hell on Earth, or just Hellraiser Three: Hell on Earth? I'm pretty sure Clive Barker would be happy if his name wasn't on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, bit of a spoiler there of my thoughts on this film. No, uh, yeah, I, I, no, I didn't hate it, but we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, yeah, we're here to talk about the third. Was it heaven on your screen, or was it literally <laughs> hell on earth? <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, we're here to talk about the third film of the Hellraiser series. This is, again, there's like, what, nine, ten of these films? We're not covering all ten. We're going to end here, um, and we'll come back to them later. Uh, the whole plan was... And I doubt we're coming back to these later. No, I, I kind of am curious. You know, I, actually, I was thinking about the same thing. I am curious how the next, like, seven go, like, because what yeah. like, the next five have... Well, I've heard a lot of them, Bradley? too, were, like, scripts that weren't Hellraiser, and they yeah. just bought them and threw... Pinhead, pinhead in, in there. there and but who knows sometimes those can be good mm-hmm. films that just not good hellraiser films yeah. but good films uh, I, i'm just curious the whole plan though this was meant to be well the, i thought these were the three that clive barker had a lot to do with and mm-hmm. i also thought this was the ashley lawrence trilogy but to my surprise she was in this film for about five seconds <laughs> that like would she was she even in this film or was it just outtakes from the second movie no apparently they did yeah. film it before they mm-hmm. shot this film but it was like after the second film it was kind of like mm-hmm. a pre-shoot kind of thing they did and they just shot her and got that out of the way uh, she does come back actually for one of the later sequels i think part six. Oh shit um as for clive barker i too was wrong about that i said in the first two episodes i believe that he wrote this one yeah and i think he wrote i thought he wrote the fourth one i, I was wrong he wrote the first one he had his hands in the second one a little bit. Yeah, and then the third and fourth he just executive produced. I've heard that he got paid not to write the third one. And then like well, yeah. after it, they paid him to put his name on to rewrite it. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I was, oh, you want to get into it? No, let's just talk about okay. that now. We'll talk about them. We'll, we'll, we'll take a break from Hellraiser and we'll come back to it. Uh, yeah, so the first two uh, Hellraiser films, I believe, were put out by New World and uh, Clive Barker. He, mm-hmm. he co-owned a production company, uh, Film Futures, I believe it was called. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, after, unfortunately, uh, Nightbreed, which 
the, the whole everyone knows the story behind that but he <laughs> he totally blames uh, Fox for that one I guess they sold it as a slasher film and they made him do all these big cuts which you know we've we've kind of thanks to Scream Factory finally got most of the Cabal cut mm-hmm. or the original Clive Barker cut but uh, you know there's still stuff that will be lost forever but anyways after that his company went bankrupt and um, or folded and uh, so another company picked this one up um, it, Transatlantic I believe picked this this film up but anyways yeah they they pretty much didn't want to pay clive barker they said they just wanted like a cheap dirty hellraiser hellraiser film and you know they weren't willing to pay him so he he was removed from the removed from the no he wasn't even going to be involved because yeah he had his own ideas for the story which we'll Mm -hmm. get into later on but uh yeah no um later on i guess uh when the the Weinstein's were gonna Dimension uh, was gonna release it, they bought it out. And um, there's two stories you could, that are out there. You know, you can choose whichever one you want to believe. One is that uh, the director uh, Hickok says that he uh, Bob Weinstein saw the cut, loved it, and um, gave him some more money to kind of spruce it up, spruce up the special effects. <laughs> um, okay. Which again, we'll talk about the finale. With you know, this is this is a I, I yeah. personally think it, it hurt the film. They added. Because this is when special effects were just CGI was kind of coming in, but you know, so everyone was just like, "Ooh, you can do this and this and this," but it was all like new, and it it does none of that holds up, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, but anyways, that that's the one rumor. The other, Clive Barker says what happened was um, Weinstein invited him in and asked what he thought of the picture, and and Barker, you know had a lot of issues with it and said this is how you could fix this and this and this and he's the one that like got him to do certain reshoots you know spice up the sex scene a bit um i think it was his idea to add um we're getting into the film yeah. we'll talk about it as it goes along but pretty much spice up the film and uh yeah and that's when he he got his um Right, thrown back on the the executive producer's credit because I think originally Weinstein got Barker involved because Barker said he wanted his name removed from it. Yeah, and I guess like Weinstein's like, well, that's going to hurt sales. Like, we need that Clive Barker yeah. presents on the top there. So he invited him and said, well, what's your problems with the film? Because um, Clive Barker was also releasing Candyman at the same time, which is a much oh, better dude. film, more well regarded now. And yeah. I think even then, I think it was a bigger box office hit, possibly. Yeah. I don't know, but um, so anyways, Clive Barker promoted both of these after that but um i I still don't get the impression that he's really happy with the the final (laughs) yeah well again we'll get into yeah we'll get into it some more what's new happening buddy how you been uh good i I got um i don't know if the listeners can tell if you're a long time listener my voice is sounding a little bit sexier a little bit manlier a little bit more bassier i I do have a i'm fighting a, a cold i've been it's been killing me this whole week, Fighting but um, cold and young ladies' advances. advances. Exactly, it's not, it's not but easy. um, not easy to be a twenty eighteen man, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm. You know, we don't let a little cold stop us <laughs> not, uh, here at the movie we're city maniacs, maniacs, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a podcast; it's a way of life, homie. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I don't get any sleep because like I, I leave for work at five a.m. That's I could normally. Most people are sleeping on the train or the yeah. bus, but I'm like sitting there fucking editing the next podcast, getting it ready. So <laughs> looking like, like the yeah, hard, Japanese, the hard uh, Japanese releases of Blu-rays. Editing, yeah, all right, yeah, well, a bit of both, yeah. but uh, you know, the, the hard life of a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, last week we mentioned that it was your birthday, and I said I ordered you something oh, and it shit. hadn't came in, so it did finally come in. What is it? There's no wrapping here, but I'm pretty excited about this. Oh, this is amazing! The house that screamed. Now, this is a movie I don't even own, and I've been wanting to buy it. Oh, this looks amazing! But um, the reason I picked it up for you is we just 
uh, got off covering Suspiria. our Suspiria series, and apparently this oh. came out pre-Suspiria. I don't think it, it. It's obviously not in the same level. It doesn't have all the colors and direction, but it's pretty much a, a slasher killer film in a ballerina school up in like a winter mountains or something, snowy oh, mountains. Amazing. But I've heard uh, great things about it. So yeah, it's one I've been wanting to see. I, well, I guess I'm going to let you guinea pig it. If you want, come on over. We'll do it yeah. <laughs> what do you want after this? You want to watch it? <laughs> Maybe, possibly. But yeah, I, I'm oh, really awesome. curious to see. Yeah, Again, man. don't go on expecting Spear. You'll probably come out disappointed. Oh, but I have heard good things about it. So Spanish. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I can't wait. Can't Try to get you some off the cuff stuff. You I, know what I mean? I'll watch it. I figure I'll you or you know your your wife would buy you. You you'll get the you know the. I actually got to Spear, the more yeah. popular <laughs> stuff. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth, which we'll probably cover soon. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, I wanted to get that for you. But uh, do you have anything else? Have you ever been to the Ontario Museum, the Royal Ontario Museum? I don't know. Probably when I was younger, maybe. Dude, I don't it is know. fucking awesome, man. They got a bunch of fucking dinosaurs and a bunch of clay pots. They actually saw a mummy, like an actual proper mummy. So <laughs> that was my week. <laughs> was uh, Tom Cruise fighting the he mummy? He was not, but like uh, uh, yeah, Lon Chaney wasn't there. Like uh, who else? Was, who was in the mummy? Uh, Brandon Fraser. No. He actually was yeah, there yeah, selling yeah. tickets <laughs> for the at the entrance. I thought he looked familiar. <laughs> actually, it's kind of weird. <laughs> Hey, are you, are you that guy who's in the mummy? Yeah, I get that all the time. And a single tear rolls down his cheek. <laughs> I also did other films too, like yeah, classics yeah. like Monkey Bone, Encino Man. I was nothing to do right, goddammit. <laughs> Actually, I love Encino Man. So yeah, I love that. Um, but yeah, I've been slacking these past couple of weeks because uh, Best of 2017, 2017 really killed me. Uh, I was watching, you know, all 2017, several, like tons of movies per week. So I've been slacking a bit, kind of watching extra features, some TV shows. But this week I did finally get a chance to check out two movies that I've been watch? wanting to see. Have you heard of a, a little film called Street Trash from 1987? Dude, I absolutely love this movie. Really? It is insane. From the get-go, it does not stop being kooky. And there's no plot. There's no centrifugal plot whatsoever. It's just like yeah. one scene, this guy is shitting himself to death. Then one scene, some guy, people are playing football with the dude's dick. It's fucked up, right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much a great way to describe it. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to think of this. Um, I, I've, I guess I've heard it's, it kind of feels like a trauma film that mm. wasn't a trauma film. Um, it's directed by James M. Moreau. I, I don't think he, or Miro. I don't know if he did too much after this, but yeah, this is was a totally kooky film. So the basic plot is that uh, this liquor store owner finds in his basement this old box of old wine and it's long expired, and he's like, you know what, I can sell it to the homeless people. I'll put it for a dollar or something. And what happens, though, when the homeless people drink it, it, like you said, it literally melts them, and the special effects are fucking fantastic. It is insane how good they are. Oh, it's a, some of the better special effects of the time for this low-budget film. Way better than have any right to Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. They're melting, and body limbs are dripping yeah. apart. And like, and, and it, the cool thing is, too, the colors, there's like purples and neon greens. Yeah, it's and it just has a great yeah. look. Like, I, I loved all that stuff. Um, unfortunately, like, so that, that opens a film and sets it up. But then, like, it literally stops that plot for about an hour. Yeah. And it doesn't come back to it to the last 20 minutes. So all that stuff is great. But then you're also following these homeless people. And no one is, like, a decent human being. Oh, everyone is a terrible... Yeah. So, and I I read that they actually used real homeless people for a lot of these people. They weren't actors. Um, And you can kind of tell. Like, you feel dirty and grimy watching this. You really do. They're hanging out in a junkyard that is run by this fat, sleazy (laughs) rapist dude. Here's my biggest problem with the film. 
everyone's raping everybody. It's very rapey, and it's like it's trying to like make rape funny, and it that it just made me feel really uncomfortable. Especially like that one, the girl who's really drunk, and yeah. the guy like, takes advantage of her, thinking that's her boyfriend. Yeah, like one. Like, I was watching, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. That fe- that made me feel so dirty. Yeah. So there's a scene where there, there's this, there's like two, two or three homeless guys you're really following. This is one of them. And he, he finds like this drunk girl throwing up in the alley and decides, oh, I can get some for her. I'm going to pretend her boyfriend. She's so drunk, she doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Takes her to the, the junkyard, bangs her. And then like all these other homeless people grab her, pull her out as she's fighting away. She's kind of like sobering up then. And they all like rape her. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, it was so weird because this movie had such like a um, oh, odd tone. Yeah, up to that point, it was like, it was kind of weird enough, yeah. but it wasn't that. And then at that point, it started. And then, like, after that, though, then you have like the guy running the uh, junkyard is gets a little oh, rapey. Yeah. And then he finds, I guess, I'm, I'm spoiling this, but again, yeah. it's not really a plot driven movie. Yeah. So the woman, you find out they raped and murdered her. And then the junkyard owner is walking and he tries to rape the girl. She escapes, so he's like all horny. And he goes and sees a dead body there and then goes, That's oh. Up, right? And then goes and does his thing with it. And again, a lot of this is done off screen. You just kind of like, you see them yeah. it start and then it, you don't see it go on. But it, it just made you feel yeah. really uncomfortable. And it's like, I don't, I don't get it because this tone of this film up to that point was kind of this, like you said, this zany kind of Dude, almost like dark comedy, but not like too. Who, like uh, some guy rips off his dick. And like he wants his dick so he can go to the hospital, but they're like playing keep away with. Yeah, him. And, like, and it's like this is funny because <laughs> yeah. it's so stupid. I, there's another great scene where this homeless guy is in a grocery store and he's like, "God, oh, don't worry, I'll get you some food." <laughs> and he's robbing the grocery store and he's just loading his pants up with everything and like, and it's playing this kind of like funny, quirky music. Yeah. And like, yeah, all that stuff was great. It's so it's really unfortunate that they had to add this rapey stuff because that kind of just took me right out of the film and it made me feel dirty and and again like you said none of these characters are likable they have this one guy that's likable but he never really does anything he yeah. he's just kind of likable in that he doesn't do anything terrible like these mm. other people but he's not like he doesn't do anything to make himself a hero yeah so you're following a bunch of despicable homeless people yeah. and again. That opening is it's great where the guy melts, but then like they forget about that for an hour. And the, the plot is nowhere in this movie. No, the, there's the, there's like a cop that is yeah. trying to. He's like this big butch guy that's trying to put an end to their killings because there's also the the lead homeless guy is, is suffering from yeah. PTSD. Yeah, and he's this huge muscular guy, and he goes around like killing people. So the cop mm-hmm. wants to put his reign to an end. Um, so you, you get a cool or not so cool whatever battle in the end there, mm-hmm. but yeah. Again, once it comes back to the the goopy, it works. You get some amazing kills, and it's like this is so awesome. This movie had so much potential. Yeah. Why did you have to squander it in the middle there? Yeah. So I, I don't know. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a great scene where the 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 cop there's this hitman trying to take out the cop because the, the there's all yeah there's this whole other sub there's all these like fucking yeah. subplots as me that doesn't mean there's like a mob guy. <laughs> And he wants to take out the cop and whatever. Anyways, there's a great scene where the cop beats up the, the mob assassin. And then after he beats up the assassin, the cop stuffs his own fingers down his throat. So he'll throw up all over the guy as like an, it's weird, right? as an insult. Like, fuck you. Um, and doesn't he piss all over him or something too? something like that. Are you pissed on somebody else? Or... Um, so what would you give this film? I, I don't know. This film... It's a hard one to judge. Like I'm gonna give it five and a half out of ten. That's higher than I thought you would go, actually. Um, well, that that is a is a low score. But again, it's a film I would watch again. I just need to know that I'm gonna get that stuff, so I'm like prepared for it, maybe. Mm. 
or maybe fast forward through that stuff and just get the good stuff. Yeah. Like it's yeah, it's really unfortunate because yeah, like when it started, I was like, holy fuck, this is going to be amazing. Right? The practical effects are that good. I I recommend watching it just for that. Yeah, it's kind of cool too because I got the Snats Blu-ray and it comes with like an ad for like the wine. Oh, does it? That's kind of cool. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's really it's a weird movie that's like all over the place tone wise. And well, really, all over the place, story wise, mm. the acting is you know what you expect from a bunch of homeless people that aren't <laughs> actors. There's a lot of like badly you can see they dubbed over a lot of yeah. it because probably they were talking gibberish and you know a lot of guys missing teeth and yeah. dirty grimy and even there's like even the the PTSD lead boss guy homeless guy he's got like a woman that's just half nude yeah, half the time and she's just there weird, to like right? pleasure him. She's almost like his sex slave. Like it's. It's it's a dirty, grimy film that you just don't feel comfortable watching. But that like forty minutes in the middle is the only time it's like it's grimy, grimy, right? Like yeah. I guess even like the, yeah, never mind. It's pretty much grimy from the get go, isn't it? I yeah, guess, the movie is called Street Trash, so <laughs> I don't know what they were. Uh, I guess they did kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's just too bad because, yeah. like you said, there there is like the grocery scene, the yeah. the uh, keep away scene with the yeah. fucking penis. You know, the, the there's a lot of good stuff in there, mm. but you have to get through a lot of shit as yeah. well. So. Uh, what did you watch? The exact opposite. <laughs> you ever seen The Hustler? Oh, uh, Paul Newman. Yeah, dude, this movie is so fucking good. I want to say how much I love Jackie Gleason. I think if I ever get a movie made about me, I want him playing me somehow. <laughs> well, that movie's kind of like a dark movie too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, it's not about street trash. Well, I guess it kind of is because he was living in like a train station for a bit with an alcoholic, wasn't he? Well, I'm. Uh, isn't the ending pretty bleak? What happens to... Yeah, I guess. I don't, I, wanna, I don't want to spoil it, away, but, but yeah. Guess, but he does end up winning. He ends up beating him. And then like, who is the guy who's always been old? Uh, uh, George C. Scott. Oh, yeah, This yeah. guy, he plays a young dude in this movie, but he is still like... 60 years old he has yeah. not like he has not aged he has not gotten young he has not gotten old I'm pretty sure he was born a 60 year old man yeah he's always good though he was amazing in this movie amazing I gotta bring up my boy Cruz. Have you seen the sequel, The Color of Money? No, I haven't. Is that good? It's oh, you haven't seen it. Directed by Scorsese. I'm gonna try to watch it like uh, either this week. Yeah, I don't remember being as good. And uh, Cruz is actually kind of like not the the hero in that film. He's kind of like the swine. Well, swimmy. Paul Newman wasn't like a hero in this movie. He was kind of a slime bag too. Yeah. So yeah. But Tom Cruise, yeah, is kind of the the slimy one in the sequel. But it, it's an interesting film. I didn't love it, but um, it, you should definitely watch it, especially yeah. if you're a Martin Scorsese fan. And I, I love pool hustlers, man. What are you gonna give hustlers? I got to give it eight. I had such a good time with this movie. Okay. I also picked up uh, and watched uh, from Code Red, uh, Ghost Keeper from 1981. This is one I've been this. wanting to get on DVD. They released it on DVD a couple years ago, and I never picked it up because it was, it was always a bit pricey for DVD. It's like for that price, I could get a Blu-ray. And, and I knew Code Red tends to eventually release everything on Blu-ray. So yeah. I held out. But it, it always looked cool. The cover was like this skeleton ghost thing over like this hotel in the snowy mountains. Uh, I remember hearing that it was like shot. It's a Canadian film was shot in like oh, the Alberta awesome. mountains in the in the winter or whatever. Um, and and then the, you know there's a tagline that like something about like feeding a monster or something. Uh, so I was pretty excited to watch it. Really solid, like, first half. It's this really cool slow burn, lots of atmosphere, lots of tension. Uh, pretty much these three people, uh, one couple and then an extra woman, uh, are snowmobiling yeah. out in the snow, whatever, and they go past an area. The, the, the one of you, of course, you have the clerk, the hotel yeah. guy, warning them, don't go too far or whatever, don't stray off, there's dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyways, they get stranded in, during a blizzard, and they happen to come across this abandoned hotel up in the, the middle of nowhere, oh, you know, on this amazing. mountain. Um so yeah, all that's really cool. 
Uh, and it, yeah, it's just building this really cool tension. Unfortunately, though, I felt like it didn't live up to that tension. Again, I, I did enjoy this movie. It wasn't bad by any means. But like, one thing I'll say, I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil what is actually going on because I think mm. that's half the fun of figuring it out. But I will say there's no ghosts, so like very misleading. And even like the tagline, I mean, yeah, there's, I guess, something, but it's not like this. A monster, a It's not this really cool thing that you would expect. So keep your expectations low on that part. Um, But it's still really interesting. The characters were interesting, even if none of them were likable. You have like the one guy who's just a dick to his wife. He's this cocky guy. He pretty, he openly, like she knows he's cheating on her and he doesn't deny it. He's just like, like literally when the three are staying there and the one girl's down the room, she's like, you're going to sleep with her, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, maybe. hey, baby, you got to feed the monster. Can you say <laughs> that or no? <laughs> well, pretty much. Then you have the other girl who goes on about this. Do you, do you guys uh, want to talk about, you know, our deepest, darkest secrets? And she goes on how, like, I always wanted to be a prostitute and I always wanted to have sex for money. <laughs> and she goes on telling this, like, almost like she tells them this, like, harlequin romance type way. Like, oh, it was raining and I was wearing this white shirt, <laughs> skin like tight to my in, nipples. Eh? And anyway, she goes on about how she... Uh, <laughs> no, no, keep talking about this girl's family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes on how, like, her substitute teacher picks her up and she pretty much ends up having sex with him for money. So you have this character who, you know, is golden life to be a prostitute. And then even the lead girl that you want to root for, she kind of even like, every time the camera's on her, she just has this like bitchy face. Like even when she's trying to be nice, she kind of has, <laughs> it's almost like the actor is like, yeah. Like the resting bitch face kind of deal? Yeah, like maybe she was yeah. supposed to be this sweet character, but she wasn't real life and she couldn't mm-hmm. play it. But, and, and again, the acting's not bad though. But, um... Yeah, it, it, it's really cool if you enjoy slow burn. Not a lot happens, but like I said, it's got a really cool atmosphere. Like, I, I love that stuff, you know, an abandoned motel in the middle of nowhere in a, during a blizzard. Um, the, the highlight, though, is um, I'll go this far and I won't go further than this because this is early on. Mm-hmm. But it, there is a woman living in this hotel. She's the one she says she's the owner or the runner. She's been running it. And she's just very creepy. Like, such. She, she's up there with like you know like uh, Kathy Bates character in oh, Misery or like just this really creepy she's got this look to her like that <laughs> grimy very villainous not right she's, well she lives in a hotel by herself yeah. like I guess something like eight you, months out of the year you know like they could have named this film her like you know like yeah. a crazy mama or yeah. something like something like that some kind of <laughs> You know, dismembered. Uh, <laughs> they could call it like the innkeeper, and then the hat be done with it. Exactly, and and I think that would sell yeah. better because she was the highlight. But yeah, there is more going on. There's some cool stuff, but uh, I will say the deaths are kind of forgettable. They're blood free, I believe. A lot of them, like huh. you know, it'll go off screen or whatever. They're not that exciting. But overall, I did enjoy it. It's one of those movies where I didn't. It's not. I didn't come away disappointed. But I didn't love it either. But I'm kind of like after watching it, it's like I could watch this again just because it had this such cool atmosphere. Yeah. So I'm going to give it six out of ten. Okay, but like awesome. I could see me throwing this on again next year and it going up to six and a half, seven out of ten. Let, let it build, eh? Uh, like I would definitely say watch it. I, I, I'm yeah. happy I picked it up. You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. not disappointed in grabbing it at all. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was fun. Awesome. Uh, did you watch anything else? I watched Super 8. When's the okay, last time nice. I checked this movie out? Uh, actually, not that long ago. I think I watched it like six months ago or something? I can't believe how good this movie is. And it oh, it's amazing. It didn't get like um, 
much praise, right? Like it is up there. I think with ET for me, it's up there with like all these like coming of age. Yeah, I think people like did. everyone just like bitched and complained that oh, it was too. It was just him ripping off Spielberg, and no, there's nothing original. Like, I don't th- th- even like the uh, kids making a movie together. Oh, yeah. I, I love like the camaraderie. Like the one kid likes the girl, and the other yeah. kid likes him just as well. Oh, the, the actors were awesome. Every and... single kid in this had like a uh, arc, and they were all kind of relatable. Yeah, like, everyone knows these kids, which is real cool, man. And like J.J. Abrams is always a, he's a good yeah. director, and yeah. the score was. Great in it, and like even the kids that said like a few lines, they still had like a d- d- distinguished characteristic. Yeah, and I thought the uh, monster looked kind of cool too. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I I think did I cover it on this show? I feel like I covered yeah, it early have. on this show, but um, yeah, I I love this film. I think I watched it when this whole Stranger Thing was happening because mm-hmm. I kind of it, it kind of had the same vibe. It like, they really believe did, both eh? take place in the eighties, right? Yeah, um, and you know they surrounding a bunch of group kids with like aliens, and monsters, or whatever. One kid's dad's a sheriff, the other kid's yeah. dad's a, a, a not villain, but like a outlaw kind of deal because every yeah everyone was praising yeah. Stranger Things I'm like I like Super 8 was kind of the Stranger Things for me I loved Super 8 and no, no one like talked about it Stranger Things yeah yeah, I, when I revisit, I, I loved it. I thought it still yeah. held up immensely, and it, it's an amazing film. Like again, everyone—it seems like everyone just wants to hate on J.J. Abrams, I but I, I love what yeah. he's done. I mean, to me, that didn't feel like a ripoff. It felt like a total homage. I mean, yeah. I would almost say that Stranger Things is worse. About they just kind of like, we'll put the thing poster in the yeah, background. We'll yeah, mention yeah, this yeah, movie, yeah. and like I, I feel we'll have them in the Ghostbusters costumes. I think they kind of take advantage more of that kind of stuff. Where Super Eight, I never got. They never, they never. It wasn't very self-referential. Like everything yeah. felt. It no, felt more like a Spielberg film in tone and, yeah. and, and style and stuff, not necessarily like, hey, let's go watch Indiana Jones, guys, yeah. where I felt Stranger Things kind of does it sometimes. Um, a little bit. Not, not that I'm knocking Stranger Things, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird that that show yeah. got so much praise and then Super 8 everyone shits on. It's I don't weird, know. right? Um, Anyways, I've got to give it 8.5. I, I, yeah, I nice. had a ton of fun with this movie. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, I f- maybe the ending it, it falls apart a little bit by the I, end. But... Yeah, I find that like a spaceship home was kind of a bit dopey, but yeah. hey, whatever. It's but and, it's, a kid's, it's a kid's movie. Well, and that, then you can argue yeah. that. I mean, everyone usually argues, yeah. has problems with Spielberg's the way he ends his yeah. films because he always ends them like and that happy, even, like, people everything wraps up nicely. Even the monster of uh, Stranger Things too, right? Like, so yeah. who, who cares? You just can't please people. Yeah, listen, hey, listen. <laughs> Uh, did you watch anything else? No, or? that was it for me this week. Okay, well, yeah. Other than Hellraiser 3. <laughs> yeah, why don't, why don't we get into the reason why we're here? Um, we don't want this one to go too long. Uh, let's throw up the trailer for Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. In Hellraiser 1, Clive Barker showed you his vision of a private hell. In Hellraiser 2, he took you on a journey inside the Inferno. Terror returns in mankind's final confrontation with evil. And this time, it's going to be Hell on Earth. Great club. I really love it here. It's a great club. Close up. 
we're going to hell, ladies first. Ah. Relax, baby. This is better than sex. It's so good to be back. Clive Barker presents Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. An investigative reporter must send the newly unbound Pinhead and his legions back to hell. Of course, we are talking about Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth from 1992. Uh, this was directed by Anthony Wilco- Hillcock. Sorry. Uh, apparently, Peter Jackson was actually up to direct this. I don't oh, know what happened. I, I, they probably threw out the offer. He probably read the script and said, nope. nope, 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 um, nope. And then it, it was also um, going to be... So it's, it was written by Peter Atkins and Tony Rando. Peter Atkins, who also wrote Hellbound. And okay. the, sorry, the first two Hell. Hellraisers. That's a gentleman that played the bartender. Yeah, I think he does make an appearance. Uh, He also wrote The Wishmaster. I think he came up with that that characters. And then Tony Rando, who directed uh, Hellbound 2. We talked about him last week. He directed Ticks. Um, Anyways, they wrote this script. And they were both actually... Peter Atkins was... uh, hoping to direct it, but uh, Merrimax didn't think he had enough experience, so he got shut down. And then Tony Rando, who just came off Hellbound 2, you think they'd be ready to hand him the third film, because I'm sure part two is successful. But yeah, they thought his his film was too bleak and removed him. So then I guess they had a a mutual friend uh, with Hillcox. Hillcox known, uh, I guess, most for the Waxwork series one and two. Oh, awesome. He did Vampire, uh, sorry, Sundown, the Vampire Tree, and one of the Warlock sequels. But um, yeah, I guess they saw his kind of horror comedies and brought him in. Clive Barker was not happy about this decision, though, because he's like, those films, those are horror comedies. I don't want this turning into a joke. Listen, it did. Like it, this definitely has a tonal shift in the other two movies, right? The other two yeah, movies are bleak well, and a bit more. Uh... I don't think it necessarily went comedic. I mean, he promised Barker that he would keep it serious, but I do agree. Especially, we'll get into the Cenobites at mm-hmm. the end. Like they're fun, but it's it's goofy. Yeah, it, it definitely does. It get is a later goofy. day like a Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but yeah. Anyways, Hillcox does direct this film. Uh, Randy Miller uh, comes in for the score. He's replacing Christopher Young from the first two films. Uh, I'm not sure why they didn't get Young back. Hey, they were in England. This was an this was American production, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. Had something to do with it, which I think it hurts a little bit too. But yeah. uh, anyways, Miller probably best known for the Willies. He also did the Dark Man <laughs> sequels, uh, Die, Tommy Dark Boy, Man, strangely, <laughs> and Mantis. Do you remember Mantis? It was a TV. No. It was a Fox TV series. I think it was so bad that it, it like aired only at like ten o'clock at night. But he was he was a, a black superhero and he had this goofy mask. That was in the nineties when they constantly were bringing superheroes to the screen. But, but they, nothing Marvel. But well, it wasn't even that. Well, I no, that's yeah. Because some of these guys, like I think Mantis may even be. I could be wrong, but he may be a B Marvel character. Right. But they would they would buy the Red Seas characters. Well, yeah, because they were doing Marvel. Mar- Marvel did like Generation X and stuff. Oh, yeah. They would so. get all these superhero f- properties, but they didn't treat them with any respect, and they all had low budgets and goofy mm-hmm. outfits. I, around that time, they had Nightman, who was like a saxophone <laughs> player during the day, and then a superhero. Like, all, all these beasts. Like, I'd, lo- I'd love for them to release all these things oh, on that'd DVD. Oh, that'd be amazing. I mean, you'd probably get through one or two episodes and never finish yeah. it because it'd be so bad. But man, those—I just remember all the time you could always put on late at night. And you'd find some shitty superhero. But anyways, this guy did the score for it. Um, 
The film does feature a lot of heavy metal rock music, which I did not. I think of. I saw Kurt Hammett, the guy from Metallica, playing in the band in the stage. I don't think it was Metallica. They, there was no, it was Metallica, it was some band, but, but I don't it was know like it looked like the guitarist player from Metallica. Okay, maybe. So it might have been because he's a horror guy, right? Yeah. Like he loves horror movies. Um, but yeah, apparently the the score actually had a lot more heavy metal music throughout it, but uh, I guess it tested poorly in screening. Of so it uh, yeah, Randy Miller was brought in to to compose a more yeah. traditional score. But he, even I find, I guess he only. It, Apparently, only had three weeks to do it. But even I, I find his score is even pretty mediocre. Like it, it feels like it's trying to be young score, but it's not memorable or mm. it, or very good for that matter. I mean, I, I definitely didn't come away thinking I want to buy this score like I did for the first film. Uh, you cast- want, what about the other soundtrack? The Hellraiser, Hellraiser. <laughs> no, not- no. <laughs> was that was that in there? At the end credits, the end credits, they had that fucking great that. song. Yeah, I probably like as soon as I know, I was so quick to turn this off. Uh, as for cast, it's it's pretty much a whole new cast other than Doug Bradley's back. As we mentioned, um, Ashley Lawrence makes a very brief appearance. I'm so disappointed that she was in this for like five seconds. Instead, we got a bunch of quality actors. <laughs> what did you think about the acting in this film? Dude, it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> it, like Out of the way, I'm a reporter. Did you notice this when uh, they bring the first guy in covered in like bloody chains and whatnot yeah. and the uh, girl I forget her name who's a reporter she's like let me through I'm a reporter <laughs> like clearly was, yeah. get, get the fuck out of here all the acting the dialogue mm-hmm. and everything was in this was just bad the, the, yeah so the lead is a reporter Joanne Joey Summerskill played by Terry Farrell um, I didn't realize she was like the main the the love interest in Back to School and she was good in that and apparently she had a long mm-hmm. run in Star Trek Deep Space Nine so maybe it was just the bad dialogue yeah. I do think out of all the actors in this film like the first 10, 15 minutes she was awful and I was like oh god but yeah. I found as the film went along I guess she figured out what she was doing and I found it got better at least for me maybe it was just less noticeable yeah probably less noticeable because there's more shit going on um, apparently Hickox wanted her for wax work but it, she took a break from acting and this was like she then she was like oh, I guess I'll get back into it and then this was her return and he so he finally got to work yeah. with her but um, yeah she definitely wasn't great I do again I think she got better but everyone else was absolutely awful on this even Doug Bradley I thought was kind of bad in this too. Yeah, right? it's like he gave up tr- like his deep, scary bassy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's supposed to be because in this film you find out that he split from his human side and his demon side. So maybe that's why, but it, or it's just he just didn't care. Is like, but yeah, it seemed like like he just had his British. He had a British accent. In this like he wasn't yeah. even trying or like. Yeah, again, I think it's just the dialogue oh, was so bad. Be legendary. That, yeah, how do you how do you pay this off? And again. <laughs> He spent most of the movie inside this this box, yeah, and it looks so dopey. Oh, right? it looks terrible! <laughs> it looks terrible. Yeah, it's just his face sticking out. It looks like something you'd see like in a haunted in a uh, like a cartoon, not a cartoon, but say like a sitcom. If someone like uh, takes a look and then he looks back and there's like a head in the wall and he go find your children. They go, oh shit! And he looks back and it's still like the regular. Yeah, it, it was. It's bad. The first chunk, I was like, "This is so goofy." I, I'm I, like, I was hating this film for the first half. I'll, I'll yeah. throw it out there. Um, we have uh, Paula Marshall as Terry. She's this um, girl that uh, pretty much a runaway. She's a she's a runaway. She has some evidence for the reporter about the Cinnabite. She knows where it possibly where all this came yeah. from because she was. Not dating, but she had a, a fling with uh, the owner of the, the owner of the nightclub, uh, J.P. Monroe. I will who, admit that guy had style. 
Kevin Bernhardt played him. He was fucking terrible. Like I can't believe how his bad boots his were fucking was. cool though, right? <laughs> um, I guess he started. He was known for General Hospital, which kind of makes sense. It's you know that soap opera type acting you can get away with on there. But no, oh, he he was completely awful. Yeah. Um, like we mentioned, Doug Bradley's back, but he's just... He's not so unimpressed. Doug Bradley's back. Yeah, it, well, bad. you go through this, and it's like, you go through the castle, and it's like, bad, bad. But th- this was the first time, I guess, you actually... He's he's called Pinhead, apparently. Okay. Um, oh, and then we had Amy Lee as Sandy. Um, she was just like the the blonde with the, oh, okay. yeah, the breasts. Yeah, 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 the big yeah, breasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so, so uh, bad. Say no more, sir. She was so terrible. So terrible, but she's literally just there to, to get picked yeah. up on the bar. She's there for a sex and really. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's face it. But that. here's the, that's, that's another problem with the film. So these films have always been known about like the kinky kind of sexy yeah. S&M. This film, there's no nudity. Did you notice that? I, I was actually thinking they get about that. this. They get this. This Amy Lee, and it's. I'm like, okay, she's terrible, but they got her because she's kind of attractive. Yeah. She's got big breasts. Box up. She's hired just for that, yeah. but she doesn't go nude. Apparently, she didn't want to go topless, so they made a compromise. Well, how about if he's grabbing your breasts the whole time, so you never actually. That was see weird, it. right? It's like, what the fuck? Why would you yeah. hire this chick? Then you could have got a, a yeah, billion anybody. other better actresses. That would have done the same thing. Like she was so bad. Like I thought, I, I literally thought it was like they hired a porn star yeah, for this part just because, just for yeah. the nudity. And then, so I don't know. And then everyone else, I'm not even going to mention, but we have a bunch of. We'll get into it in a bit. But the, 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 the Cenobites. Oh yeah, there's this old camera that is uh, with. Like I thought they were going to go for a love interest or something mm-hmm. with the reporter, but that doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I always find with these films, it's like. They do a good job about, you know, the main three or four characters, but all the supporting characters are just there for cannon fire. Like, they they always feel so, like, empty and and void of any, like, personality or, or point in really being there, but... We'll we'll go through the basic plot, but let's just throw out your what are, what are your thoughts on this film? <laughs> you know what? I went in thinking it's going to be absolutely terrible, like unwatchable, but I enjoyed aspects of it. It looked kind of cool when they were in like the bar scenes, when like the uh, this uh, boiler room. It looked like like a club that I want to kind of party at. It's like, like a metal bar. Everyone's dancing. Everyone's grinding up on each other. It has a bunch of like cool. Um, uh, statues and whatnot that look kind of freaky, and there was an interesting. Did you scene. notice that 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 doll was back? I saw that. You're your buddy, your friend, friendly. <laughs> I doll. saw it. I'm like, again, is this supposed to be a real baby or a doll? I don't get this, and it looks awful. But anyway, I, I guess it it comes to life this time too. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, when that scene when they were all getting murdered in the club, I thought that was interesting. When he goes into the church and just kind of like blasphemes all over the church, I thought that was kind of fun. He looked kind of cool when he was kind of playing around with the preacher. Yeah. I thought that was fun. But for the most part, it is ridiculous. The fact that she's missing her father, she hooks up with uh, young Doug Bradley. Well, yeah, so there's it, this whole it, subplot it's, it's, that... It is messy, and it sucks. <laughs> this whole subplot that, she yeah, she misses her father. He died during the war. But she keeps on having all these Vietnam flashbacks, and it makes no fucking sense. Why would she be having flashbacks of what her father saw? And again, these movies, they make sense. Like the first two, there is like a centrifugal yeah. plot. Like it makes sense. This one is kind of like, oh, we have Pinhead and we have the box. We'll just put a whole new movie around this. Yeah, you we'll pretty much have, there's a club owner that collects weird artifacts. Mm-hmm. He gets the, the pillar and brings Pinhead back. You have a reporter who has father issues, and she's investigating the murders surrounding mm-hmm. the club. 
And then you have this side character that, again, they kind of hint at some lesbian stuff, but it never goes there. And it would have kind of made sense for right. this the style of these films. Um, again, I'm not. I'm, I don't want to sound like some pervert old man that's like, yeah, I'm going to take off points because there's no nudity and yeah. big tits. But you're taking just, off points because of <laughs> well, it's just again in these type of films that is actually an important part of the story. Usually, like all, all the, the 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 sexual um, undertones, undertones, and you know, it's about pain and pleasure. Mm-hmm. And then to like not even to, to get these bad actors that, and then not even do like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like there is a lot of stuff they could have like. It would have been interesting to add some of that kind of stuff throughout mm-hmm. it, just to, to spice it up. And they don't sprinkle it in. None of the characters are that interesting, and it, it just for me it feels like a lower like it it, it feels like a it's my problem with the nineties. You know what I mean? It yeah. feels like these films worked. Let's do a sequel, but we're gonna rush it out. We don't really have a big budget. Oh, CGI is a thing, so let's make sure we have some CGI. I thought they had a budget for this movie. Like, the budget must have been bigger than the first movie, right? I don't think it was that big. No? I, I don't know. Again, it seems like because of, like, the different studios and it was yeah. rushed. I know he had, like, six weeks and they were doing, like, 17-hour days, so they didn't okay. even have time to do, like, multiple takes. Yeah, because it seems like they just took an, uh, an idea and they just ground it into, like, yeah. a... They, formulated this like a mainstream movie around it yeah didn't really it didn't make sense in a mainstream it just, movie yeah it just it's it's this weird mix of like mm. yeah exactly it felt like just your standard 90s mainstream film but, but with Finhead but with like yeah the, the Hellraiser mythos it yeah. doesn't really fit that in my opinion whatsoever and and yeah I, I, I don't know I, I hate that period of 90s where they were like experimenting with CGI because like mm. anytime the CGI came it, it just <laughs> took you out of the film because it, it doesn't hold up at all now and did like the cameraman turned into Freddy Krueger. Am I right in this? Yeah. He's like, has all these like one quip lines, like ready for prime time, bitch. Well, <laughs> or, oh, ready for your close up, bitch. <laughs> so I, I agree with you. There, there is a couple standout scenes and pretty much what you mentioned. Yeah. I think that the standout scene in the church is fantastic where mm-hmm. Pinhead, like she runs in and she's like, oh, there's a devil attacking yeah. me. And he's like, devils aren't real. Yeah. And then Pinhead comes and like yeah. fucking mocks him. And But then she goes like, oh yeah, what's this? Like, I was yeah. like uh, that was, well, that, that's I rolled terrible. my eyes on that. Apparently that was a big deal. Like the crew and everything like felt it was blasphemous and like the oh, city they really? did it in was very like religious and that was like but he he defended saying like well look at the old Hammer films like Dracula did some crazy shit in the church like yeah. it's it's a part of the, the story you know he's but that was like they definitely were like blasphemous for the sake of being blasphemous right? oh when like, they do like the uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he had a great term to say like hey Jesus wept but he didn't even say it like well again he, he started line. becoming even yeah. Freddy Krueger-ish in this yeah. film I felt Again, the, the first film especially works best because you get minimal pinhead. He's in the shadows. Mm-hmm. He comes out and he's like scary and intimidating. He's got a couple cool lines. And this film, again, they, they say, oh, well, it's because he's split from his human yeah. and he's just going to bring evil to the world. But it's like, you just have, pinhead should not be let loose. I don't want a film yeah. of pinhead running around killing people. Yeah. And it, it just became very goofy. Mind you, saying that, the other highlight is, of course, the scene where Pinhead goes around killing yeah, people. that was actually kind of Again, amazing. it doesn't fit the Hellraiser world, but it was really fucking mm-hmm. cool. So Pinhead goes into a club and just lets loose. And you have five minutes. And that's like, that actually all, like, it's mostly all practical effects. So it's yeah. a highlight. It's just him killing people in crazy ways. Getting pool balls crammed into your mouth. Oh, uh, everything you can think yeah. of. Um, and that and from that is born the Cinnabites, which, yeah. again, they're very stupid and goofy. <laughs> a CD player starts shooting CDs at this one dude so he comes back as a CD centibite he has like CDs stuck in his head which yeah. is so stupid and he's shooting out CDs killing people yeah. again I 
If you if you watch the first film and then watch this, you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. But if you just watch this and say, you know what? This is a bad sequel. I'm going to try to have fun with it. Yeah. There is some fun to be had, and that it, is one of them. I had fun with it. Like, there's a there's a Cinnabite that's covered yeah. in barbed wire, and he breathes out fire. Like <laughs> That was the bartender, right? Yeah. I, I think they call, he's the Barbie Cinnabite. I had to look yeah. it up when I was reading, and yeah. I'm like, what a Barbie? I don't remember that. And it's that was a dude who wrote barbed it. Wire. Yeah, yeah. He think all those guys mm-hmm. were like people on the set. But yeah, like if, if you can look past and say, okay, this isn't going to be a good film. Clive Barker didn't write this. Yeah. It's just we're going to take Pinhead, we're going to turn him into Freddy Krueger, and we're just going to go any goofy thing we can think of. Did you notice you that, that they actually had, uh, they, they burned down an Elm Street bakery as she's running know. through the uh, city? Apparently, too, I didn't notice. Did you notice Zach Galligan was uh, there from, from Waxwork and Gremlins? He was no. there in the uh, the bar scene. He gets killed. Oh, I didn't notice that. He That's gets a awesome. pool stick in the stomach. Oh, shit. Apparently doing that. I didn't notice him either. I kind of mm. want to go back and watch yeah, that. Yeah, me but. too. I gotta say that scene where the, the ice turned to an icicle and like stabbed her was ridiculous, right? <laughs> ridiculous. I don't, know, I don't even know if I remember that. It was like a CGI, like as she's drinking, then it kind of like lifts up. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that was terrible. Again, like any, it, it seems like a, I know the CGI we talked about at the mm. beginning was added after the fact to spice up the film, but it's like really mm. unfortunate because it's like that extra money you spent on the film, I think actually made it worse. I mean, yeah. who knows? Maybe at the time it blew people away, but now it definitely does not hold up. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah! Oh yeah! And then we didn't even mention the other Cenobite, the video camera Cenobite. Who, yeah, that's the guy with like the red yeah. close up bitch. We didn't really go into too much details, but he actually has like a video camera in his head. And then there's another guy that has like the this drill pump thing or something in his head. I or? guess that's a dude who owned the club. Yeah, yeah. What what, what is that I in have his head? No though? idea what's in his head. We could not. It was like a piston, I guess. Piston head. Uh, they call him. But the one girl is smoking a cigarette. I don't know what her power is. The girl is just known as. Uh, Dreamer Cenobite. Uh, her whole oh, thing is yeah. she couldn't dream. I can dream now. So yeah, fucking stupid, man. The more I talk about this, I was ready to give this one a six, but I think I'm going down to 5.5 the more we talk about oh, it. Oh, you can't dream? Well, yeah. her kill a bunch of people and yeah. I'll allow you to dream again. Okay. Um, that that scene where the, the Cenobites at the end, they're all walking on the street and mm-hmm. it's like slow-mo and them all in their black lead and yeah. there's fire behind them. Like, did you get like an X-Men vibe? Like, again, this yeah. did not... It's like they throw away, like, it wasn't even trying to be a horror film anymore. It's yeah. just like, let's make this look cool. And it's Cenobite. like, yeah. Well, is Cenobites the sequel to Reality Bites? It's all them sitting around <laughs> talking about their, like, problems, their dreams and aspirations. <laughs> and then I guess Clive Barker, what he did add, I mentioned um, he did add something in the end. So there, there is one scene that it kind of feels out of place, but he was just trying to add that kind of. S&M stuff into the film but at the end where the reporter gets caught and she gets all like trapped in all these uh, you know what I mean where all oh, the, the chains the chains and yeah. straps grab a hold of what, did, did you notice what the fuck was that baby creature it had like this handful of cum was it trying I, to fertilize her no was it supposed to be was. sperm like, I, I, was, I think so it, I was actually wondering that like I had no idea what it was supposed to be yeah can we talk about the end end yeah, we'll, we'll do them spoilers. Okay. I guess if there's anything else, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about. Not really. I don't want to talk about the end end. Um, yeah, so Clive Barker, he added the the bondage scene near the end with the reporter, uh, additional extended gore in the nightclub, and uh, the CGI when Lee's character is skinned. So he is responsible for some of that bad CGI, I guess. <laughs> but again, I, I have a feeling Weinstein was like, oh, you got to have CGI yeah. in there now. Oh, you see there, Clive, what you got to do is get some CGI. And then send those female actresses over <laughs> to my brother Harvey's hotel room. and Leave them chained up. Fucking Harvey. I, I hope, uh, again, like Bob, I don't want to get too much in political, yeah. but Bob probably knew about this, but I, I hope that Bob 
wasn't in on this either because apparently I, I was reading up and apparently Harvey was the guy that was all about the Oscar pictures but apparently Bob Weinstein was all about like the genre and the horror oh, films yeah? and shit he loved all this shit and he's the one that was like any stuff they put out through the Merrimax that was Bob Weinstein so okay, hopefully um, I, don't, I don't know I think the Weinsteins are done I don't think yeah. anyone can look at them the same way but you know he did give us some of the well yeah he didn't really give us any good films did he <laughs> the Weinsteins give us any good horror films I'd have to think about that uh, Dust Till Dawn maybe Scream was Scream Dimension yeah Anyways, yeah, we'll talk about the ending. I just want to see if there's anything else here I wanted to add. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, this is just ridiculous, but I guess the original poster for this was like a side view of Pinhead screaming, which I think is, isn't that what the newest movie that just came out this year, the poster is? Yeah, I think so, isn't it? But anyways, I guess the MPAA said no, thought it was too terrifying and they didn't even want Pinhead on the poster. That's crazy. So what they did, I, I never even noticed this, but when you look, the poster for part three is just they took the Pinhead, the exact Pinhead from part one, threw it on the poster for part three and just changed the background. And they got away with it and they said, well, you already approved that, so you can't say oh, we can't use him on this. Crazy. And then they, so they eventually allowed it. But how stupid is that? The MPA, what a bunch of fucking oh, twats, yeah. man. Have you ever seen that uh, this movie's not rated? Oh, yeah, I have yeah. it. It's great. It's, it's well, it pisses you off how it really does, dumb these it? people are. Um, how they make their decisions just makes no sense. Whatsoever. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's all I got to say. I guess final thoughts on Hellraiser 3. Uh, I was originally coming in to give it a 6, but the more I talk about it, I got to say 5.5 because it was kind of silly. But again... I wasn't bored throughout it, which is good. There wasn't any time where I'm like, oh, God, just finish it. I'm like, all right, let's see where this goes. I was constantly like uh, engaged. But the story is kind of silly, and it doesn't really make a hell of a lot of sense based on the two fantastic movies we just watched. Yeah, I think, again, this is one of those films where it hurts it even more when you watch the the first two. You know, you watch them uh, in succession. I think this film is it's a bad film. I mean there's no denying it. The special effects are mostly shit other than you know there's definitely some highlights in that um that barroom scene. The acting, the dialogue is atrocious. Pinhead through half the movie sucks. He doesn't sound cool. He doesn't look cool. And even when he does get out of that fucking pillar, he's not my Pinhead, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like trying to be Freddy Krueger or whatever too whatever was popular at that time. He's I don't want to see Pinhead mm being the whole film yeah. he should be in the shadows and, and a bit appearances um, there was no Ashley Lawrence here and even the the, the Claire Higgins who yeah I, I guess we didn't mention but originally I, th- I think we mentioned last episode like the plan was she was going to be keep on coming back from the sequels but yeah. I think after part two she didn't want to do it so that's why they had to bring back Pinhead and he was so popular everyone loved him yeah, for the first ones, but um the, the other thing, too, I didn't mention is that um, some of their other stories were going to be in Egypt, which would be really fucking cool. That's actually really badass. Pinhead in, think about that. Not a great movie, but X-Men Apocalypse, that opening is really cool. Yeah. I don't know if I'm getting off track here too much, but imagine that, but like Pinhead, something like badass. that. Like he's like worshipped as a god. That would be amazing, Egyptians right? And they have so like all cool these like, slaves that they bring in yeah. and they have to open the boxes, even though they I, don't I, want to, it, but it's like an honor. Yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things where it'd be too costly, or maybe it's one of those things like, we can't have a cow of non-white people. We're, yeah. we're not going to sell a film on a bunch of Egyptians. that would be insane, right? Uh, I think it'd be fucking incredible. So hopefully one day we'll get that. Yeah. But, um, anyways, I'm getting off track here again. Yeah, this film, I mean, there's a couple of scenes that are, are highlights, but everything else is just like, I didn't like the score either. Like it just feels like 
very you know the second film was lesser Hellraiser and this film is like a huge drop from the second film like mm-hmm. it just doesn't even the second film at least felt like the second film felt like second tier Hellraiser but it still felt like a Hellraiser yeah. film this film doesn't it feels like it's Completely, like totally trying different. to capitalize yeah. on like what it was popular at that time and throwing the the Hellraiser mythos trying to make it work in there and the acting this I just can't believe this is a mainstream big budget film That's like crazy. and honestly every actor seems like they could have been porn stars that they just picked up yeah. or people they just picked up on the street and threw them in a film like I, none of these people and again you look at some of them actually had you know the lead girl had some credits to her name it's like how did you it was just like how were you this bad they didn't have time to make it good yeah anyways I'm gonna give this film a 5 out of 10 okay Um, like you said I was never bored so I guess that's always a plus if I can watch a film and at least be entertained for, you know, whatever it is, sure, I'm going to give it a five. But if you're going to watch Hellraiser, I, I say stick to the first two. Yeah. And again, it doesn't really get me. I'm curious about the other sequels. I'm wondering yeah. if they're going to, if any of them are going to be better than this because this is a huge drop. And I've heard people say this is the last great Hellraiser. So if, if all the other ones are worse than this, yeah. I, I don't know. How bad can they get? But um, yeah, I'm surprised. This one does have a bit of a fan base. I hear some people actually really enjoy it. And I, I don't see that. <laughs> I'm curious about the uh, next seven, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, let's uh, jump into spoilers. We'll put the time at the bottom here. There's not that much to talk about. Yeah. Um, but we, we, just a couple of things we'll run down, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even talking about that bullshit ending how like, uh, she gets duped by her dad and... Uh, the other Bradley, Doug Bradley, takes him to hell or whatever the fuck that is. I'm talking about how she takes a box and buries it. Okay, yeah. Well, before, yeah, let's just briefly talk okay, about that. Okay, okay. So it, it is terrible. Um, yeah, she's in her flashback or some bullshit. Or, yeah. I, I barely even remember this. I don't know if I was dazing off, but dozing off. Um, but yeah, and it turns out to be Pinhead. And she's like, you tricked me, you bastard. You preyed upon me uh, or used me. Anyways, Pinhead... Is in her dreams. He's been her father the whole time. Is it supposed to be like he's the one that kind of put these flashbacks in I know, her dreams? No, I think uh, he just kind of played her for a fool. Okay. Anyways, the human yeah. uh, version of Pinhead comes and molds together with the Pinhead. And you get, again, a bad CGI screen where their faces are kind of stretching yeah. and molding together. And then... Uh, how does she defeat him again? She opens the uh, box or something? Well, uh, Doug Bradley comes and says, since you're in her dream, you're no longer on Earth. You're in my world. And he drags him to hell with him. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, uh, I yeah. don't even remember this Com- shit. Completely lame. The, the only reason I did but, want to mention that, sorry, is just because uh, I guess there was uh, an alternate ending in the original script that um, it was actually going to be a little bit more bleaker and possibly more interesting, but um, the lead was going to actually... Go to hell? No, she was going to make a deal and become the bride of Pinhead oh. if he makes her successful and furthers her career. Oh, that, so it's going to be this twist. Sense. Yeah. Which I don't know because yeah. I didn't get that from the like the character is definitely driven, but yeah. I never got from the point that she didn't care about anyone but her career. I think if yeah. they're going to do that way, they would have had to have her yeah. a little bit more of a bitch throughout the film, a little bit more, you know, my career first because it kind of felt like she did care about the young, young girl, girl and, the, and the, her and the camera guy and stuff. So yeah, but it that definitely could have been a cool ending, and it could have set up maybe a sequel, and you could have had you know the two of them, which could have been interesting. I guess again, then maybe they're hoping to to replace the Claire Higgins character who didn't want to come back anymore. But then again, we would have had to have sequels with this actress back who well thank god that didn't um, happen but yeah let, you're right let's talk about so 
Pinhead's defeated. Let's get to the cool ending. She takes a box and like she doesn't know what to do with it, so she buries it in uh, wet cement. Wet cement. And the very last scene of this movie It's like years later, I assume. It doesn't even say, but they walk into this building and the entire uh, interior is just covered in the well, patterns from the box. Even the exterior, yeah. It's yeah. called like what is it called? Lamin is it lamentation? Whatever. Uh, yeah, the lamentation cube or the lamentation. Cenobite Tower. Something like that is it yeah. Cenobite Tower? Anyways, yeah, the, the whole thing is matter. designed. This ending is way better than this movie had any right. Oh, to exactly. And I'm it, like, that is so fucking. It awesome. It gets you excited to yeah. check out the sequel, which again, I think the next one takes place in space, though. Yeah, but I think it goes back and forth between different times, so maybe it plays a certain part. Yeah. This was another. I think Clive Barker came up with three ideas, I believe. One was Egypt, and one was this. I forget what the third one was. There's something else that they used a yeah. bit in this film, but then they didn't really expand upon. Mm-hmm. But I think his idea is this tower would have actually been a focus in the story, um, which is too bad because yeah, it's yeah. the coolest part of the film. I, I agree. Like. The five ten minutes of Pinhead getting destroyed yeah. didn't really care about boring, but, but this, th- this was actually really clip, cool. Like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, what a, what a great idea! And you mm. could they could have well, we'll see. Maybe they do do yeah. a bunch of cool things with it, but I doubt it. Yeah, I really. Um, but yeah, anyways, that's it for our spoilers. Yeah, that's pretty much it for this episode, I believe. Yeah, I don't have any more to say. Again, we'll be back next week. We are covering for Friday Thirteenth. We will be covering the Friday 13th series. We're going to cover the first four. And again, like we do, we'll cover the first four. And then maybe next Friday 13th, we'll cover the next four. And yeah, then the yeah. Friday 13th after that, yeah. we'll cover what's left. I'm excited. I love these films. One of my favorite franchises of all time, not just in horror, just in general. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk about them. We're going to have a blast. We'll hopefully have one of our buddies join us who is also a fan. But um, anyways, we will be back with Friday 13th. I'm totally excited about that. But this is the end of our Hellraiser for now. If you think we should check out anything yeah. past part three of Hellraiser, let us know. Are, are there any highlights? Like, yeah. If you say, like, yeah, if, Four or five suck, but six is great. Yeah. I'm willing to do those other two Check if, there, if there's, there's a gem hidden yeah. somewhere amongst the mix. So, yeah, please let us know. We'd love to uh, you find can out. L- email us at uh, moviecitymaniacs at gmail.com. You can uh, find us on Twitter at moviecitymaniac. Yeah, and then Facebook, we have a page that you can like, but more importantly, we have a group page that you can join this t- discussion. And that's where, again, if you want to share your ideas, um, we're always open anything you want to ever send us a PM whatever we'll read it on air or an MP3 whatever anyways yeah we'd love to hear uh, what you think of our thoughts on these series and again what your thoughts on the series are and if it's worth continuing uh, checking them out so thanks for listening guys this has been our Hellraiser series and um, stay spooky <laughs>
Jesus wept. <laughs>